there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. Well, tell us about your workshops and about your book for your legacy that you want to leave. Yeah. So people always say you're so sweet until you can't be sweet anymore. And I thought, yeah, I try to be polite and respectful at all times. I want not to be mean. I never want to disrespect somebody, even when I don't agree with them. So I was joking around with people in the beginning, but it's kind of stuck. (laughs) When I was doing trainings and things, they're like, you're the polite but effective badass. I'm like, I guess so. You know, like, so workshops I'm developing now are how to become a polite but effective badass next door. Because I feel (laughs) like people think that that's like, I'm not a powerhouse. That's not me. But you can be the badass next door. You can. (laughs) Totally within your realm of possibility. Now, my book, it's been such a therapeutic process for me. I timelined my life. And then they're the people you're supposed to help as a psychologist or behavioral health director. They are the people that were assigned to me. And my idea is that every person that I was supposed to help helped me. And that's how I got through those challenges because I'm teaching somebody a coping skill and then I'm like, oops, maybe that's what I should be doing. Or they're showing me how they handle something. And I think I need to be more like them. So even my biggest adversaries have taught me things like make you better or they make you better. So the title of my book is part of me, but get the boop out of my way. And I... <laughs> It's good politeness, but you know what? Get out of my way because I have somewhere to go. I have something to do. I think people need to know that I'll be sweet as long as I can be, but that we can be assertive. We can be more forceful. And I don't know, you seem very calm too. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not easy to do that. Yeah. Um, And I I still have to like psych myself up before a meeting where I know I'm going to have to push back because my disposition is say, okay, I'll make that work. But it's not only about me, right? It's mm-hmm. about the person that I'm advocating for and all the people that follow. If I toe the line and I don't change things up, every parent has to face that hurdle. And that's not fair if I can muster up the strength to do it. Sometimes you can't and that's okay. I tell people that too. There's days you cannot move a mountain. You can't. Mark it off. You know, I tried go to bed, do what you got to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always say, I wish I could yell, but if I'm yelling, there's something crazy going on and everybody should run because that is an emergency situation. I know it's all my years of crisis intervention. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a car accident and I walk up to it. How can I help you? There's people covered in blood, everyone's screaming and Heather's like, I'm here. You know, I'm just like, I go eerily calm sometimes. So I have to fight that when I'm in a situation where I have to be assertive and I can't cry. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but if I'm very emotional and I feel like I've been very wronged or you're hurting someone I care about, I cry. And then I feel like people don't take me seriously. Mm -hmm. So that has been one thing that I have practiced and practiced. It's still hard for me. I still get choked up because I want to believe that there's good in everyone. And I want to feel the good in people 
And sometimes they just don't give it to you. (laughs) It's hard to see. It's hard to feel. Yeah. And sometimes they're not in that place and they can't, they can't Mm -hmm. give it at that moment. So just like Devin, you have to have the patience and the faith that deep down, everybody wants to do the right thing. It's just how they define what's right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So tell me some of the lessons that you've learned, like you were saying, when you're helping somebody else that you're learning from them. Tell me some lessons that were really meaningful. So formal psychology, you're in the chair, they're on the couch, you're above them, you've got the clipboard, and you are the professional, you're the expert, and you will be guiding them and you don't tell them about your life. They don't know about you. I'm relationship-based. You're going to know if I'm having a good day, a bad day. I'm not changing the session necessarily, but I'm letting you know I am a real person. I have good days and bad days too. And when they give me a story and they say, this is what I did, I listen and I consider them counseling me. I take that just like advice from anybody else. I don't see the discrepancy. There's no like, staff and, you know, patient, you know, like it's just, we're people, we can Mm -hmm. all learn from each other. And when you really realize how much value there is, all those little hidden lessons, I mean, the hardest times you can learn the most because you're the most motivated to change your situation. So I've sat with people on their deathbeds way too much during the pandemic and holding their hands and holding up the iPad so they can say goodbye to their loved ones And no one regretted something they had done. They only regretted what they hadn't. And that was the most profound lesson I've ever learned. You you can make a mistake. No one's going to talk about that in your eulogy, right? They're not going to be like, you know what she did? She really (laughs) screwed up. You know, they're going to talk about that you made a mistake and you kept going or you changed your course and you didn't stop. And I don't want to regret not pushing when I should have. I don't want to say, oh, man, I really wimped out on that. I wish I had been more brave. Now what I'm working on is not being mad at other people for not being brave. Mm -hmm. I say they're not as brave as us. They haven't found their voice. They don't think they can do it. We have to help them instead of being like, what's wrong with them? They should be fighting with us. They should be getting loud. This is a bad situation. It's not that I was ever angry, really. But I understand where they're coming from because I used to be them, right? Like I can't be mad at the person I used to be, right? Well, and that's so amazing, the compassion that you are offering for that person because you could be frustrated and it could be confusing. Like, why aren't you helping with this thing? Can't you see this need? Can't you just pitch in? It could be so easy to be frustrated with that person. And so when you look at it in that way that they haven't found their voice yet, or for whatever reason, they're not there at that point yet. I think that's so beautiful because you're able to then feel love for that person in a different way. And then you don't have that energy going in that way toward that person. You're not trying to fix them, <laughs> right? Right, right. I mean, like you're helping them. So this this is a quick example. There are a lot of parents who have children in group homes right now. The staffing is horrible. There could be 14 people living in a house that was built for six, but there's the same amount of staff. They're taking care of two, three times as many people. Abuse is happening. Neglect is happening. Not because they're bad people. There are wonderful, wonderful people doing those jobs. There's just not enough people doing it. Parents are afraid to speak up and say that bad things are happening. 
They don't want to lose their spot in the group home. They don't want retaliation. They don't want it to get worse. And I say, my goodness, you won't be here forever. You have to speak up now. What will happen when you're not here at all? When there's no one looking out for your loved one, who will advocate for them then? We have to make the changes while we're here. We can't wait. We have to be brave. And that's where I get frustrated. I'm like, be brave. Just be brave. Like, please. <laughs> What's so interesting is I can see how shifting that mindset toward that person and they're not being brave yet has probably been influenced by your ability to be patient, such as being patient with Devin as she has learned things and to to understand, well, she's not there yet. And so you're almost transferring that same skill in being patient with these other people that aren't there yet. That's a that's a beautiful gift that you've been given because of your experiences and being patient with yourself. I'm sure you've had to right. exercise some patience with yourself, finding your voice as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And I and I loved your thought about regret because I remember thinking that regret is one of the most painful emotions besides loneliness. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but regret is a very painful emotion because if you can't go back and change that thing and you have that regret, it's very difficult to resolve that regret. Why didn't I reach out? Why didn't I do that thing that I knew would help? Why didn't I say the words? Yeah. Yeah. And so to live with your legacy, to not want to have any regrets and to do everything you can to not have a regret is a huge motivator. Yeah. I want to know when I lay my head down at night that I can be proud of what I did, that people will respect me even if they didn't agree with me. Because we're not all going to agree on how to solve these big world problems, right? I have to respect the people who go about it differently. And I hope that I approach them in such a way that they know I'm passionate and they know I mean it, but that mm-hmm. I'm open. You could tell me something and I can shift and people are appreciative of that. And I'm like, I read the room and I, I realized I was wrong or I realized I was missing something. You can't feel something so strong that you close your eyes. You have to keep them open. Yeah. You had mentioned about faith in the very beginning. And so how how has your faith played a part? I think the idea of community and that we are all part of God's family. When I think of that, it helps me because it's not this country and that country or this state or this, you know, political party. We are all people and that loving peace, we we love our neighbor, even if we don't like what they're doing, right? That part is really important to me. And I think that my faith has changed through the years. I've had the blessing of having all these different spiritual connections where people just see the world slightly different, but very much the same. I mean, regardless of a religion or what ideology that you truly believe, there's this commonality to it that we must forgive one another and support one another and be part of the same family. We have to love each other if we want to move forward because hate brings us nowhere. We can be angry at people, but hating a group for one reason or another, it only hurts you. You're not hurting somebody else when you hold on to that. Yeah. I think that is a very powerful concept because when you think of each person as a child of God and that we are connected, you're my sister. I can see how that would really play into your advocacy because you're not just advocating for a stranger, you're advocating for your brother and sister. 
Right, right. We all want the same things in life. It might look a little different depending on, you know, who you are, but we all need to feel like we belong, that we're important, that we're valued. There's nobody in this world that we throw away. And I never wanted anything bad for anybody that I worked with. I'm still going to advocate for them and have good intentions. And that means different things. Maybe I'm advocating that you do have a consequence so you don't do it again. And that might not feel like I'm on your side, but there's a reason sometimes that we have consequences. And that can be a blessing for that person because you're helping them to learn from the experience so that they better themselves. And I also felt you don't have a separate feeling. You have the feeling that we're all connected. And so that lends to you believing that there are redeeming things in each person, that we're all brothers and sisters. And so you're able to find a form of love in some way for something in that person. Yeah. And sometimes it's a lesson they teach you, right? Maybe they really won't change, but they taught me something. How did that happen to them? Or how were they in that position? And I still walk away a better person, even if they don't choose to do the work to become a better person. You can learn something from everybody that I firmly believe, but I want to believe. And I always walk in believing that that person could change if they choose to. They could better themselves. They could be a better brother or sister. And what a loving attitude to have when you go in to meet with these people. And I think that's probably also from your experiences that you have dropped the preconceived notion of what they look like or what they've done to look inside, just like you've done with Devin. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful gift that you emulate and you give to the people that you interact with. So that's so awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for your wonderful example and for advocating and for loving so strongly. And I sense that your love for others that that love is what gives you endurance. Mm-hmm. I got nominated for the Supermom contest and it was all across the country and people are voting. And it's like, I don't want to promote myself, right? I don't know who nominated me and everybody's talking about it and news channels are calling. Some of the people I've worked with, students, residents at the nursing home, families have said, you loved us when we oh. needed that. And I thought, Okay, then I, I maybe I am the super mom. I don't know. It seems like such a silly title. Somebody gave me a cape. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is all about love. And think about all the people who don't feel that mm-hmm. in the nursing home and in the, some of the schools I worked with, I always did a hug or a handshake. At the end of the day, regardless of what happened, you could have made a million bad choices that day. You get a hug or a handshake and you decide which one you want. Now, when I was in high schools and I was working with mainly people with autism, I got lots of handshakes. In the nursing home, I had to tailor it back a little because it would take me an hour to leave. There would be rows of wheelchairs and walkers, and I'd be hugging everybody at the end of the day. And security said, we have to do this in the auditorium. Like, you're going to have to park a different place because we have to sneak you out the back door. You know, and I thought... (laughs) They need a hug. When people touch them, it's to bathe them and to feed them and to transfer them into their wheelchair and no one's hugging them. No wonder I loved you from the minute I met you. <laughs> because that's, that is such a beautiful thing. I love hugging too. I feel like touch is so powerful and so healing. And like you said, with the epidemic of loneliness, 
that is such a need. And so what a beautiful thing that you do give love in a mothering way, in that nurturing way to lift and to comfort. Oh, I just can totally see that with you. So I make people laugh at this story, but it seems like a good way to like kind of sum things up. I was in a very dangerous neighborhood, but I was across from a school. So my guard was down because generally horrible things don't happen in front of an elementary school, usually. And my briefcase was broken. So I had my IQ test and I was carrying it on my arms. And then I had my purse on top of it. And I was walking to my car and this man ran up behind me and reached over the top of me and tried to grab my purse. And my training kicked in and I threw my keys under my car because you don't want them to drive away with your car. I did like all the training. And then I turned a little bit and I said, please back up. You're too close. Now, I don't know why I was so polite when I was getting robbed, but he looked at me like, (laughs) (laughs) he took a step back and I said, God bless you. And I meant it. And he walked away. Now, the people I had just been in their house helping them were sitting on the porch, not helping. They were watching it like they had their popcorn out. There was like a movie going on. The guy runs away and he said, I cannot believe you said, God bless you. And I said, he didn't hurt me. He could have hurt me. He could have taken my car keys. He could have taken my purse. He didn't. I was polite. He felt it. And he deserved that. He deserved, thank you for changing your plan and not hurting me. <laughs> right, right. And that was it. That was love that you extended to him right at that moment. I wasn't sure, expecting it. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't expecting it. And what a gift that you give to so many people, even people who are trying to rob you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was silly, but no. <laughs> it no. worked. It worked. I say manners work most of the time. Yeah. But what a powerful example of how the love that that was inside of you helped change the course of what could have been, you know, a very bad thing. And it doesn't always change, but you giving that love is also a gift to you to give that love. Because like you said, when you give out hate and anger, it hurts you. But when you give out love, it blesses you as well, no matter what they do with it and how they receive it or reject it, it still blesses you. And so... You're a beautiful soul. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your heart. I'm so excited for your advocacy. And I wish I was in New York because I would come and buy flowers and help volunteer and do things with you. I really admire your work and I am so touched by what you were doing. And I would be so grateful if I had that need. We're all meant to connect, right? The people you're supposed to meet, you will. You just have to ask for that presence sometimes because we don't then we're alone. We're isolated. We don't have to be. Yeah. Thank you for your love that you're giving to help counteract the epidemic of loneliness. That's a wonderful thing and a very powerful tool that you are using. And that's because you have that within you. And so I just want to say that I know your dad's smiling down on you. Thank you. I hope so. (laughs) I feel it. I feel it when I need it. Yeah, I feel it too. And so that makes me so happy because a lot of people don't feel that. I'm just so grateful that you feel that. And it's a powerful gift to be able to feel that connection still. So thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for who you are. Oh, thank you so much. I think that (laughs) this is a beautiful way to highlight things because we all have it within us to do these things. And we just have to reinvent ourselves or reimagine how people look at us and will remember us. And then we can do whatever we want. 
it takes all that pressure off. <laughs> Who do we yeah. want to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're living your legacy right now. And so that's awesome. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. You have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. You too. All okay. right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I know you're busy. Did you know that you help spread the love by leaving a review and following? This helps increase our visibility so people can find us online. I really appreciate your help. I'm wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey.